Hello and welcome to For the Love of Mary, a podcast series that tracks my journey to finding the relationship between the Virgin Mary and the position of women in Ireland. It's told through the conversations and stories shared with some of the most amazing women on this island. My practice as an artist is very much founded in the idea of gathering the stories of women and this project was no different. Supported by the Arts Council of Northern Ireland, SIAP Award, I was able to travel to meet with women, research the ideas that came up in our conversations, document shrines, all with a view of getting to the bottom of why she's so prevalent in Irish culture, and from that create new works of spoken word and poetry. I had no script, no questions drafted. So what you're about to hear are all very much responsive conversations. I hope you enjoy this journey just as much as I did. Don't forget to share and subscribe and thank you for listening. Hello and welcome to episode two of For the Love of Mary podcast supported by the Arts Council. Um, this In this episode I get to speak with a good friend Abby Oliveira and she tells me, she's going to tell me um, her story. Uh, and we we then go off into this amazing discussion and it's brilliant um this is i talked in um in the introduction to episode one i talked about how i picked up and and misunderstood the different types of mary and got a bit confused so in this episode there is a point where i get dead cocky um and start describing different marys i've completely arsed it up I cringe every time I listen back to this. Um, please don't let it put you off. Just um, take it as this is one woman who is learning about a culture that was so not her own. Um, and um, yeah, I, that's the only way I can say it. Anyway, enjoy and do the likey sherry thing. And um, cheers. I'll speak to you at the end. Here with Abby. Hello, Abby. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Abby. Hello, Melanie. Hello. Um, and you, you have a really lovely, um, quite a, an entertaining story of your experience with Mary, um, which I think is great. And you're going to share it with me. Yeah. Okay. So, and I mean, it's not exactly the most spiritual story, but it certainly bloody felt spiritual at the time. <laughs> so, you know, if you can imagine, right, we're on Arranmore Island at a festival, an art and music festival. But for the entire weekend, it was just apocalyptic rain. It was at the Swell Festival. So it was apocalyptic rain. It was the kind of rain that, you know, we got off the ferry onto the island and by the time we got to the campsite you were soaked to the marrow and then it, you just sort of remained that way for the whole weekend there was nowhere where you could go to get dry there was nothing like that you know so on my final night i got to bed and then i woke up really early in the morning like really early you know and had sort of put my hand outside my sleeping bag to reach for the phone and, and could feel my hand going into a big puddle of water in the floor of the tent you know but I was kind of in denial I thought no 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 I can I can just I can put this out of my mind I'll just go back to sleep I can do whatever but you know I was becoming increasingly more aware that my 
sleeping bag was soaked through and that I was soaking and the, 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 the mat that I was lying on was soaking and when I could finally bring myself to look around the tent, I saw everything was soaking, was leaking to the, everything was floating around everywhere. There was, I still thought I could go to sleep. Maybe for about like another hour I lay there still thinking I could somehow get to sleep and ignore the fact that my tent was sinking into the ground. So eventually about half six in the morning, I decided, right, I need to get up and pack up and go. So I did that and it took me about, this took me well over an hour to even get my tent down. It was a pop-up tent. Everything about the situation I was in was just miserable and dire. So I finally got all my stuff packed up and I'd gone sort of dander and ar and more. I just wanted to search for anywhere that could give me some kind of shelter because the first ferry out of ar and more was not for another like three, four hours yet. So I was walking through Arnmore and I couldn't see anybody or anywhere open until I saw like this light in a cafe. I could see inside there was people serving coffee, tea and people milling about having their breakfast and I thought, oh, <laughs> and I went up and I was getting ready, getting myself, taking off my coat and everything in this place and when this woman, you know, and she was a, a real sort of a stern island, Irish island woman, you know, and she must have ran what was a B&B that I didn't know. So she came up and she told me in no uncertain terms that no, I could not stay here, that this was the residents having their breakfast and that there was no way, basically. And she sent me back out into the rain. So I go back out and there's absolutely nowhere for me to go, nothing for me to do but dander. So... If if anybody did eight like so to like Ironmore is this tiny island yeah, off off the, off off the northwest coast of, of Donegal of Donegal um it's you get a ferry there yes from uh, what town uh, it's is it from Dunlower to Gidor mm, I can't remember we'll have to look that up I can't remember the town you got the ferry from I'm not sure maybe it was Dunlower. I think I, I, I've been out there once and it's there's like one nightclub on the island there's the nightclub yeah, is so John Dee's anarchic crazy <laughs> yes. yeah when I was there um, Mike Snow was was playing was it Mike Snow or Kermit Mark Snow or something like that I can't remember it was that long ago the X-Files um, was a big tune at the time anyway uh, digress um, yeah, it's a tiny island and yeah. the, the, the pub stays open as long as you can still drink. Absolutely. The club is just like, here we are and here yeah. you are, dancing till the small hours yeah. or whatever. But it's so exposed. It's a really it's exposed so island. Yeah. So the weather, when it's harsh, it's really harsh. Yeah. You know? And this night, it was really, really harsh. Oh, this whole weekend, it was harsh. I did not dry. From the whole entire weekend I was there, I didn't dry, you know. So I was really at the end of a tether that morning, you know. So when she put me out of the B and B, well, it was actually before I got to the B and B, I'd actually met a woman that I know, and she would have been a woman, maybe she'd been near seventy years old, you know. And she had—you probably can't even use this, but Scram, you can cut it out. But she—I <laughs> saw her, and she was a <laughs> she'd snuck out in the morning snuck out to the back of wherever she was staying to smoke a joint you know or it must be nearly 70 years old 
And I was like, no, she says to me, do you want to smoke with it? No, no, I really don't. At half past seven and the mo- look at me. No, <laughs> hell no. What was I playing? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I was, so I was walking away from the B&B and I just was fucking completely dejected. You could not imagine the level of dejection I was feeling. Because I could not get any shelter anywhere. And then I just happened to look up and there was, just right up ahead of me, was a grotto, you know, the Virgin Mary, right? But whatever way the grotto was built, you could get a little bit of shelter in there with Mary, right? And I swear, (laughs) I have never been, like, you know, I come from a very sort of secular family that we've never been very religious. I've never had those kind of proclivities but particularly not with Mary which is weird I had more of I would have said I would I would say that I would be a person of 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 spiritual proclivities but I've always had a real thing about religion and maybe it had to do with going to a Protestant girls school when I was in my teens that was very kind of Christian well it was more Christian than what I was used to but there was a lot of things that made me very resentful of all of those kind of characters but I had a bit more of a proclivity with Jesus because I realised in hindsight Jesus was all we were hearing about. Particularly in the Protestant school, we didn't have much dealings with Mary. No. She just wasn't mentioned much. No, no, she definitely wasn't. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I, my background, I, I went to a Protestant school as well. And yeah, Mary, Mary was the thing, was the difference between Protestants and Catholics, you know, growing up because, well, you know, it, through, through the troubles and that. and. You know, Mary was one of the defining things that separated us from them, was that they held her like they they believed in her. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and um, so yeah, we didn't really we didn't really have that as a. She wasn't she wasn't really a, a focal point. She was just she was just the mother of Jesus. That was it. It wasn't anything yeah. special. Um, there was no big deal about her. Yeah. Exactly right. This was this was just Jesus's mum, and there she was to give birth to him. And then, to my mind, there she was at his death, at his feet, as he was being killed. Right, and at no point along this journey, and I am digressing here, so cut this out, cut out whatever you need. But at no point along this journey that he made with the fucking with the, the spikes in his head and the cross strapped to his back. I can't remember her appearing at any point in that story, did she? Apart from when he was there then finally on the cross, then the story was that there was Mary and two other women, one of which was Mary Magdalene, and there was another woman, was yeah, it? Yeah, but there were other... There were, the, the, so there's, there's kind of like this confusion because there are a few Marys in that last bit of his life and in that last story. There, there are the two Marys, and then there's Mary Magdalene, and then there's the mother. So there's like... Mary Magdalene, the mother, and then there, there was another two, woman? Yeah, there are, there are two other... Like, who were... Um, I'm not sure if they were sisters or friends or what their relationship was but there were two Marys who were very devoted to his following but yeah. I think they were I'm pretty sure and I'm, that was Mammy and Magdalene no 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 there were there, there were two there was other, other Marys two other yeah there were two other Marys as far as I remember I'm gonna well, there you we're go. gonna have to like clarify this I had no, up, no I had no never heard tell of the other Marys <laughs> in this house I'm looking at the bookshelves to see if there are other if there's a Bible handy 
but yeah no she, there are two other and it gets quite, kind of confusing around the end you do see her in the passion place you do see her as a figure there being kind of distraught and she does sort of like ask he's doing that walk with the cross carrying it you know she does kind of figure but they're very if when you read the gospels they're quite clipped stories they're quite they're almost kind of cold in their descriptions of things there's not there's not a lot of rhetoric in it there's not a lot of just like the the narrative is quite you know there was this happened and then this happened and that it's not it's, it's not the nicest of right i mean john is a very different a different sort of setup but yeah when matthew mark and luke they're quite luke in particular is very factual very quite direct yeah but um but yeah she's not a wild figure in in the Protestants. no she did not exactly right so she she just didn't figure much and i you know but by god <laughs> on that morning on that morning when i looked up and i saw the grotto and mary and i just thought oh, it was like no there was definitely no divine light right <laughs> no there was God. no actual divine light but to my psychology there was a divine light it felt like a divine light <laughs> so i go up to this grotto and I, I get myself in there and you know it's a pretty snug fit there's just really not many much fitting in there but me and mary so i'm, I'm literally sitting there for ages again and i'm out of the rain and i'm just there smoking cigarettes with just me and Mary. <laughs> <laughs> me and Big Mary. <laughs> but it was the first look, grottos have always been one of those things that have had, had a kind of a big impact on me. And I think that's because I don't originally come from Ireland. Like I don't you wouldn't see them around Scotland, for example. So I remember clearly the first time I saw a grotto when I, I was driving around Donegal in the car with Martin, we were out for a day out, and I was like, I see this grotto, and I'm like, whoa, what is this? Stop the car, stop. And Martin could not understand why I was so, what the hell is, why is this in a random spot in the middle of Donegal? What, what's going on with this? And Martin, of course, is just going, it's a grotto. And I'm like, what? I didn't want to leave. It kind of had this really intense, yeah, there's this idea of like, I want to know everything about this. Why is it yeah, here? Why, why, why is this here? You know, okay, okay, so people come to make offerings here and they come to pray here. Okay. um, But wh why is this a thing? And, and why is this here in this random spot? I wanted to know everything. So grottos have always had, since then, they've always had a kind of a pool for yeah. me. But I never lingered long enough with them, I don't think, you know. Really, but this particular day, because I was waiting for the ferry and it was too early for anyone else really to be up, you know, or they wouldn't fucking dare come out of their tents or their their B&Bs. But, so I was sitting there and I was smoking my cigarettes, just me and Mary. <laughs> but it was the first time, really, I think, in my life where I had time just to sit and properly observe everything about this statue. And it was from her facial expression to her stance, you know, and 
so the stance really struck me, right? It was the first time where, you know this stance that she has in the grotto? So that stance, the famous yeah. stance, right? So, so this is um, Our Lady of Fatima. Is, right. Is the, is the one that you're describing. It's the blue... The blue yes, and the, and the red, and, the and actually, from a distance, she looks like a vagina. She does, yes. yes. And she's standing on a snake. She's she's got her foot on a snake. Big and the apple is in the snake's mouth. Now, I don't think that's any coincidence that she. She looks like a vagina. No, well, not, not at all. Not, not a vagina. Let's be correct about the. Uh, Sorry, the a vulva. A vulva. She does. Vulva. Excuse and her head me. is the clit, and yeah, the rest and right. the folds and stuff. Yeah, she does. I don't think that's any mistake. I mean, if you look at Sheila and the gigs and all. Sheila uh-huh. Giggs, Sheila Giggs, Sheila Giggs. If you look at Sheila and the Giggs and all, I think that is probably uh, where one of those places where the the new Christian religion took over some of the pagan imagery, uh, so that they could. So anyway, yes, I'm sitting here and it suddenly occurs to me because you know when I when I first saw the Mary statue from down the road. Yeah. Right. So this stance, right. Yes, now remember I'm going in my head there was no light there were definitely there was no divine light but in my head there was a divine light when there was a bit of shell there and a bit right so that stance mm-hmm. right yeah so she's palms palms out palms like up like this right and that stance from a way down the road looked very much like come on to me my child right yeah, and, and I was like yeah. Mary I'm coming on to you <laughs> no problem Right. And not in a creepy weird way. No, nope, absolutely <laughs> not in a creepy weird way. I am coming onto the, your arms. Uh, I'm there. But as I sat there over the next hour or so, just looking at this, and it occurred to me that this, this could also be this, like the omniscient shrug, you know? This omniscient shrug that with the hands up like a well, sure, what's a girl to do, but... Yeah. You know? And that actually... What do you really have to offer as comfort but this serene, painted expression on your face? Right? And it was the first time that had occurred to me. That you have this serenity, and it's probably that serenity that gives you some form of a comfort, but this could as easily be... An om- that omniscient shrug. Yeah. Ah, ah, girls. Ah, women. Sure, I haven't a no voice either. You know what I mean? You know? Uh, now, uh, it's kind of mad and that's all I can see now. I can see an omniscient shrug every time I pass a grotto now, which, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. There are, there are many different versions and, and what I've been kind of she has never had a voice and yet her words are so sacrosanct and particularly in a patriarchal and it's so significant that this woman has never had a voice in those stories and yet her her sanctity is so mm, what was the word um uh, I'm trying to say that a woman who has never had an opinion and in that that story, the good news, has never really had a voice. She's never had a choice. She had this pregnancy just foisted upon her. It was like, right, here you are. You're going to be, you're pregnant yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, what do, you, what do you do when an angel visits you and tells you that you're going to, you're going to... The, there you go, deal the with it. Deal with it. You yeah. don't have a choice here, but just... Yeah. 
know. It's like, don't be getting all women's rights with me, Mary. You know what I mean? You're, you're carrying the Son of God. You should be grateful, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know. Yeah. What's it, but yet her words are so sacrosanct in a patriarchal system. I think precisely because she has never had an opinion. She never, she never had an opinion or a voice or a story within that good news story. Yeah. Really, apart from being the woman who, who was impregnated with Jesus at God knows what age. And in God knows what sort of a culture in them days, I can't imagine. I don't know what it would have been like in the Middle East for a young woman at that time who was not married. Yeah, I think the story. So I think I think the story is that she's around thirteen or fourteen, right about that age. So she was a girl. She was a girl. She was a teenager. Just sort of like if you think kind of like just hit puberty, going through all those changes. If you imagine a thirteen and fourteen year old now slamming doors and telling everybody that she hates them. You know, so she's going through this as an angel visitor and tells her that she's going to be the mother of God. But she was betrothed, so they were engaged, her and Joseph. Aye. And and but for him to walk away it would have been the equivalent of divorce and it would have been total disrepute for her if he'd have done that. So and there's quite whilst he takes a back seat in the story, there's still a lot of like, isn't he great that he stood by her? <laughs> Big style. You know that he that he that he that he took that on, and he was the dad, and he stayed with her, and you know, and she's but she has been given these really incredible ideals and these incredible attributes that because she's a blank slate. Yeah, she really is a blank slate to which any system could hang whatever they want off Mary, and now we just happen to live in a patriarchal system so that is what has been hung off this vision of many because uh, because she's she has no outward story or voice within that whole thing that really you could hang anything that you wanted off her yeah she's been uh, i think presented as this sort of an oh uh, uh, as nearly god forgive me a walking womb yeah pretty pretty much yeah uh, that's a walking woman a mourner right yeah so she was there to give birth and she was there to mourn as her son was was brutally, savagely murdered. murdered. I mean, there's the bit like, you know, whenever he's 12 and he's, and she, she he, they, you know, the, well, the sort of after the birth and they have to flee. And then there's the bit then whenever you see him as a 12 year old and he's in the temple and she's frantic with worry because he's, he's missing and they can't find him. And there's that bit and she's I don't really know this story. I yeah. never heard this story. What I've never heard. What's this? So he, so he goes. No, no the details are a bit sketchy. Jesus he, goes missing and all. Jesus, run. Go, Jesus See? goes missing. And he was a normal twelve-year-old, even though he was Jesus. Well, he say he was a normal. He was in the temple and he was having this discussion with all of these, you know, rabbis and and um, higher higher up with sort of um, within the within the temple. And he's having these philosophical and religious discussions with them, and you know, and she, and she they eventually they find it. She's like, "Oh my, I'm paraphrasing because <laughs> I can't remember the actual words." But um, yeah, she's just like, "Where were you? I was. We were worried sick about you." And I imagine her, I imagine her folded arms, tapping the foot. Where were you? We've been going frantic looking for you, and you're here. And he's like, "I'm doing my father's work." That's his, he sort of shrugged it off, like, I'm doing my father's work. 
um, and that's not that's really like all you sort of see until later on he's then as he's a man and he goes off and he he's presenting his ministry and but um, but yeah so she has this very and I guess because women weren't really uh, sort of had didn't have the same access in the temple and and, and in those circles as what men did and so she kind of takes a little bit of a she's very much a mother figure and that's what we really see of her but she's yeah she's quite a complex character and quite a you know I think the yeah the the human suffering that she that's attributed to her and this endurance and this you know this faith that she has to hold and this compliance and submissive character that she is given and that as you say about the stance that a lot of the statues take I mean there are a few so there's Our Lady of Fatima which is the one that we sort of talked and then there's um the the knock vision she's got the crown and she's quite regal and she's very she's pretty so um, they're different Marys with different poses different and this Mary, this yeah. one with the palms to the air and the sort of the this is late this is a specific see yeah. I don't know these things I uh, I'm, I'm just learning these things. My favourite is Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is the Mexican one, which is which really does just look, as you say, it just looks like a vulva. It's amazing. So that's the one that's on my t-shirt. So I think yeah. that's the one that I've yeah. um, and and it's beautiful and colourful and you know it's it's a great it's a great piece. Um, but yeah, there's there are a number of different takes, and there's there's an amazing there's a, I think. In Eastern, in an Eastern European, I think it's in Prague or in Budapest. There's a Black Mary statue. Um, there's, I mean, some of the iconography that's around her. There's, you know, there's often this very aggressive-looking baby that's with her. It <laughs> <laughs> has a very old face, but it's a baby, and it's it's definitely Jesus, and she's just like, oh, <laughs> so, oh I don't know what to do with him. Um, but yeah, you you kind of I mean as a as a as a teenage mom, it was sixteen whenever I had my son, and you know a, a bit older than what, and I can I can only kind of remember I I was a child <laughs> you know, and so she's when she loses her son whenever he dies and he's the eldest he's thirty three and she's what late forties. At this point, you know, so mid mid she was like 40, 45, 46, 46 yeah. 47 maybe. Yeah. At a push. At a push, yeah. Losing losing her son at this stage. And you know, you kind of think that's I mean, for any mother to lose their child, for any mother to go through that suffering, because you're supposed to your children are supposed to outlive you, but to have to witness your son go through this horror and then to watch him die watch him go through with this hook yeah hook right because that would just but that does just emotionally hook mm. women men yeah. you know what I mean that thought of having to watch your son die be hung from a cross and killed you yeah. know and not to mention the horrors that he goes through Prior to that, you know the the flailing that, that he has, and 
you know, when you see those images, the Payetta images, and you see her, and he's always this really emaciated figure, and it's always in, he's always disproportionate in his size to her. She's always bigger than him, and he's always this, like, got this childlike size about him, even though he's a 33-year-old man, and she's holding, cradling his body, in such a way that evokes that response that you have to her that humanity that oh my god losing your child oh my goodness this kind of suffering and as you say hook of course yeah but i think yeah i mean she's an incredible character i mean even the fact that as a character in you know <coughs> in other cultures that are not that are not Catholic, like in voodoo culture, in, in, in voodoo practice, like you look at, when you see any of the altars that are there, there's usually a presence of Mary there. Aye, correct. You know, she's, she's Because the, 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 voodoo is so closely linked to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, all the Marys that you would see here, Mm-hmm. And I don't know what about the Marys around the world, but they're all Caucasian Marys. Mm-hmm. All Caucasian Marys. They're certainly not Arab Marys. What's going on there, Melly? <laughs> you need to deal with Because I have the answers. <laughs> yes. In my you need to find this. this. Um, <laughs> I'm going, like, now you're doing a project on it. You have the yeah, answers. Yeah, What's yeah. going on? <laughs> I don't. I mean, you know, you could say uh, the same for, like, do you know, I just, I, that, that day when I was sitting there and doing all this close looking at her stance and really just kind of, you know, just observing Mary for the first time in my life with a little bit of a mental scalpel, you know. And I did get to thinking about, well, do you know, imagine, imagine if you came here because I was feeling so miserable. But at the same time, in the very back of my mind. I'm very aware that this, okay, you feel miserable, you're soaked to the skin, you have been for three days, you're at the end of your tether now, but at the end of the day, the fairy's going to come here in a win at ours, take you back home, You've got everything's going to be lovely. This is not a big deal. Yeah. But I, I, I was thinking about, like, well, you know, imagine you came here as an Irish girl with a big deal. Imagine you came here and you were in desperate need of something, of of anything, of some form of guidance. And the only place where you knew where to go was to either the chapel where, you know, the priest could know your family or there's all sorts of parishioners who could know your family or you could go out to the grotto or whatever. And imagine you did go there with a, with a desperate need of something and I... You know, I, I don't know how, because I imagine in a certain circumstance, for example, if you were a very f- young girl who, who had found herself pregnant and you need, and, and, and you were died in the world, like, what, what did that girl in the 80s who was 15 year old and she died? At the gro- <laughs> I remember watching, who was, I was either reading or watching an art, uh, an interview. Unleash. Nice. With some yes, yeah. uh, what was her name? She was fifteen. Uh, Lockery was it? No, no. no. Uh, oh, this very famous story. But she yes. died at the grotto. That's right, and she she had given birth, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, she was 
2015 or something like that. Aye. Aye. Yeah. Aye. It was Anne something. Anne, yes. Anne. But I, so the her boyfriend at the time, he had apparently not given any interviews or anything for years and years and years. Sorry, we just fucking... No, I was just checking just that trick. Cut, <laughs> no, no, I was just checking that trick. It's all good. on, like... No, no, go for it. That's great. But I, I watched, you've probably seen the interview with her boyfriend, who was then now in his adulthood, um, and he hadn't given any interviews for most of the time but I think it was him that he talked about how knowing her as she was and her her way of being that she went to that grotto to make a point he is convinced that she went to that grotto to make a point that there is a reason why she chose the grotto to give birth to that baby on now I think in a roundabout way, what he was saying was nobody's a hundred percent sure who the daddy that of that baby was, but it basically was not him. Right. It was someone else in the community, and the fact that she was going to the grotto to give birth on this grotto was a sort of a fuck you to whoever had made that girl pregnant. Um, now you'll be able to find that interview you can go and check this up like um, but yeah I think in a roundabout way we can put two and two together and, and figure out what he was actually saying there and what he thinks happened there and I imagine going to Mary as a girl in that position in an Ireland that was so mired in the Catholic Church yeah because that was around about the time when case X wasn't it that was part of the, the the eighth amendment when that was introduced and that was you know like way way back when they were trying to fight it and it was a, yeah it was a it was a, a horrific time i mean <laughs> to be a young girl oh gee hi look i mean you're not still kind of in you yeah. know it's still not the best but it's improved a hell of a lot yeah the fact yes. that the church has lost a lot of its grip on the society here, which I see as a good thing because it was so abusive. Yeah, we say, we say here, we, we kind of mean Ireland, not Aye, this sorry, side yeah. of the border. And, uh, in the north, the north is a wee bit of a different sort of story. Um, and it's not but the Catholic it, it, church has a grip on us. It's more the other, we were sort of caught in a time warp. But is the whole of Ireland not kind of in a similar spot in terms of the Catholic Church uh, and, and yeah. Catholic education, Catholic private schools, nuns and priests and Christian brothers teaching? I don't think that that really, the border really, does it have a bearing on people's experiences of, of that? Yeah, I mean, I think, yes, in, in terms of like the, the, the sort of Catholic uh, education system will always teach from a very pro-life perspective and will always take that stance and abstinence will be a thing but I think particularly here in the north because we have the harshest we have the harshest uh, laws in the whole of Europe surrounding um, abortion um, because it's not like in the south whenever the eighth like the eighth amendment wasn't just about abortion it was about maternity care and it was about like taking the maternity process so even if you chose to have the child you were put into this process that was very much about getting that child out so it was a um you you're essentially you know 
your right as a mother as a person going through this thing where you're bringing another life into the world excuse me your desires were not really your thoughts feelings and what you wanted to happen with your body was not really a consideration it was about that life coming out and and happening so things where there are stories of midwives were saying to a, a woman in, in labor i'm going to i'm going to have to cut you and the woman saying i don't want you to do that and the midwife saying i don't need your permission for this because that's that's the way the, the law was structured so the, the 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 repealing of the eighth amendment was 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 not just about giving access to free safe and legal abortions but also the return of the kill for anybody that was pregnant that if you chose to have your child but say through the pregnancy you had a case you know like you had a, a diagnosis of cancer and you needed treatment that your treatment wouldn't be postponed because you were pregnant but you could have the option of termination and and, and those things <laughs> whereas here in the, and, and yeah so the 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 law there was the penalty the maximum penalty was 14 years in prison here in the north it's life in prison because of an ancient law um and so for say say somebody who has an abortion here because they've been raped and even if that rapist goes through conviction and gets into gets in you know does time in prison he can only be do eight years whereas the maximum sentence that you could have because you had the abortion is life right right so yeah and that's held here not not because of the catholic church or not alone by the catholic church but more predominantly by because the biggest party here well the fact that we don't have a government here but the biggest party here is the dup and they're very mm -hmm. much um, like it's something like 0.6% of the population of Northern Ireland is free Presbyterian but it's a but the massive amount of the DUP like it's a majority of the DUP are free from a free Presbyterian background so, so it's this massive majority representing only a tiny minority of people have the same match up beliefs so they control a huge amount of what happens here and of course we're you know we're in a government stalemate and we don't yeah we don't we don't have those move things forward but i mean down south contraception you have to pay a huge amount for contraception like it's something to have an iud fitted it's like nearly 400 euro what mm, to have an iud fitted it's only 400 euro so that's the consultation costs the cost of the iud itself and the cost of fitting it what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you think, right, okay, can we put the money can we put money into education and contraception and providing this in a free legal way to women so that they don't have this you know, and it'd be interesting. I don't know the I don't know the comparison, I haven't really looked at it, but I would love to find the comparison to the cost of Viagra. You know, IUD versus Viagra. How much does that cost? And can we get it on healthcare? Right. It's crazy because we do. We 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 all know this. We live in a patriarchal society. Let's look at the like. Yeah, I could digress so much. 
I know, it's so could I though. You could end up freaking having a chat about this that would. We should just start doing a podcast. We should start. Know what I mean? This is a great enough setup there, and I'm thinking, yeah, we should start a podcast. It's not about Mary every week, but uh, but hey, why do we? Why do we? Yeah. I suppose because we're Westerners, I suppose. But you know, I want to know about like. I'd like to see how freaking. How, how practitioners of voodoo see Mary in their heads and their images of Mary and but they're they're very Catholic, you know, they're they're very kind of Western Catholic. I think even in places like Haiti and stuff. Yeah, well you're looking at like missionary backgrounds and kind of exactly, right? sort of But um, the, but the, that did it, it did all just kinda d- But I suppose if you think about it, like if you have any kind of power if you if you can harness any power and any sort of like any any deity or or sort of like that kind of higher the more you have on your side and the more that you can kind of harness into one particular place that the, the better um and i think she's as a as an image of femininity and an, as an image of of womanhood and repressed womanhood that we can all kind of associate with she's a pretty i i i would imagine her to be a pretty pissed off figure i just you know I you're never you're obviously like you're never ever told as a child that this is a child who has has been asked to give birth to this deity mm-hmm. you know who's asked to be a part of this thing that's you know so much bigger than any 13 14 year old can understand yeah you why but why don't they teach us that in school why don't they why do they hide so many parts of the story and most of mary's story we don't know nothing about mary's story but you could be guaranteed right imagining for a second that there were some historical truth in in the story of jesus i'm sorry but you could be guaranteed that mary the mother of jesus would have played a hell of a lot of a bigger role in his life than what, but because what we are given is gospels written by men maybe Sure. That actually they're and, just not chosen, very chosen also by men written by men chosen by men so right okay so maybe even at the very base level when you've got the men writing the gospels okay maybe they're they're just not even interested in women maybe that that's the way the society is i don't know i'm not making presumptions about that um but I imagine this is a patriarch. Look, Christianity is a patriarchal religion. Yeah. So. Well, you have well, you have like um. So some of the some of the gospels were written. I think one of them was written at like eighty, eighty. So like, nearly fifty, almost fifty years after. After the yeah death right of Jesus. The, yeah right. Some of them. One of them was written at a hundred. So like a like, you know, eighty years or seventy years later after jesus death so they're they're written so much further after his his supposed existence so the details around these experiences are quite small and limited and and that's why i think they're quite uh curtailed in their their in their detail 
you know they're um mostly about the ministries because i suppose those are the things people will remember or you know people will kind of um will know of there'll be common stories and i guess like you know yeah right like any any film that's done these days you know a biopic of somebody that lived you know 50 years ago it's it's always coloured and it's all you know no, totally right so they're writing down which obviously has come down as part of the oral tradition yeah. uh, the, r- stories have reached them yeah. and they've wrote them down so many years after Jesus's birth etc etc yeah and I mean it, like interesting I think I think it's Mark could be wrong um but i think it's at the end of mark so the oldest record of the oldest version of the new testament that we have in is that, that we have like it's in the british library the codex sinaiticus mm-hmm. and in at the end of mark um i'm gonna have to check this out before i keep saying because keep saying this but at the end of mark the ascension of jesus into heaven doesn't exist it's not written there it was oh really yeah doesn't exist Uh so but then jesus jesus's divinity wasn't established until something like 325 a.d whenever they said he you know they agreed at this at chalcedon that you know he was divine he it was a divine birth that what he you know he wasn't human and adopted into divinity <coughs> in the way that say Enoch was you know that he never died he he just ascended into heaven right but well, even Enoch's text was thrown out the bible that's like totally, an apocryphal yeah. text isn't yeah, it yeah totally thrown into the bible um but a lot of Jesus's teachings were based on Enoch's teachings they were very very similar to his teachings um and uh, I think I have there's there's a book somewhere oh, I don't. that has Enoch's oh Enoch Enoch well, has, Enoch I know well it's I've done an apocalyptic text a lot of like, listening to Enoch yeah um, <coughs> just from because apocryphal texts I was really interested in for a while yeah they're, um, they're kind of amazing in the sort of ascension up to heaven and all of that okay. but Enoch and Metatron were the same being yeah Right, the angel, you, you ever heard of the Archangel Metatron? Yes. Apparently these were the same being, Enoch and Metatron, oh, right? So Enoch, once he had this, oh, this is total, sorry, sorry, Mary, <laughs> sorry. We're talking about the man again. <laughs> I like Judith, just for the record. Sorry, right, listen, <laughs> we're just digging deep, all right? No, but Enoch and Metatron, apparently this is part of the story that when Enoch transcended he became the archangel metatron but um, that stuff aside i i think and i i think i can remember that the the gnostic christians have much more to say about mary if you do go and check it out and i wish i could remember more to actually talk to you here during the interview um that's right. This might actually become a podcast if it does. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> weekly, the weekly Mary. <laughs> well, you know, we we can we can do other subjects. But well, no, we could surely, right? But the, I'm sure. I years ago I was so into Gnosticism, and but I I think that they had much more to say about Mary. Yeah. 
and Mary's story, but I just, I can't remember to say you do here now. I could go and look it up again and maybe we could do another interview That's about the Gnostic, the Gnostic view of Mary view sometime. Mary. If, but you go and look it up as well, see mm-hmm. if you're interested and then we yeah. can maybe talk about that at some point. For sure. I think we should do, I think we should do if, uh, the Divine Feminine as a, as a podcast. Ah. I think that's what this should be. We should talk about like female issues, like female characters. Like, yeah, I'd be interested in talking about that for sure. Awesome. Um, I'll see you this time next week. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll be back. We'll be back. Thank you. And Thank you. it's from Melana. Good night. A <laughs> word from our sponsors. <laughs> it's your name, Mary. Have <laughs> you had a tough time? <laughs> I'm going to let this record. <laughs> So thank you for listening to this episode number two of the For the Love of Mary podcast. Um, I hope you had as much of a giggle as I did with Abby and um, and you really enjoyed it. Stick with us. Um, coming up, we still more. There's there is a roller coaster of emotions still ahead of you and some fucking awesome women and some amazing stories. Um, and yeah like share subscribe um that thing that you do with podcasts please um tell your friends tell your mommy uh tell your granny um every, any woman that you know tell your best friend um uh yeah just listen um there let's let's talk as women cheers <laughs>